Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we recap yet another disappointing performance against the Islanders, plus all the latest Jets trade news ahead of the deadline, including the move for Nino. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here because we have a jam-packed show ahead of a jam-packed week for the Jets and the rest of the NHL. Plenty to get to on Winnipeg's side of things. Existential rumors, realism. It's all over the place. It's like everything everywhere all at once. That's the Jets right now. Fine, we we did it. We came all the way around on this. We have the hot dog fingers. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much the only thing that's been missing from the Jets season so far. There's still time here, so we'll see what happens there. Um, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki joining once again. How we doing, Tyson? Oh, pretty good. I'm I'm pumped for this trade deadline. It seems like there's some uh, some underrated names that might be out there. Some names that aren't even out there right now that we might see moved. I think Chevy's got something up his sleeve. But we'll well, talk well, good news, Jets fans. We'll get to that, and it'll be a fun second half of the episode. The bad news is we got to talk about what's going on on the ice, or what's not going on on the ice right now. And it's it's crazy for me, Tyson, because all of the hockey teams that I follow slash am a fan of are all in complete turmoil right now. I mean, the Flyers are the Flyers. We don't have to get into that. The, the Jets we'll get into in just a sec. Chelsea, for those that don't know a whole lot about soccer, if you, they, they might be even worse than the Flyers and the Jets combined right now. <laughs> And the Raptors kind of suck too. Like I'm just I'm not in a good spot right now. And then I mean the the Eagles were my one hope, and then they lost a devastating Super Bowl. So I'm just I'm hoping I'm just hoping something turns around here. Maybe, maybe it's going to be the deadline. I, I don't know if what what's going to happen on the ice. That that's going to be the impetus for the turnaround here. But ho- hopefully we've kind of you know this is the worst here. It, it gets darkest before the dawn. I mean, hopefully that's what we can kind of lean on here, especially looking at the Winnipeg Jets right now. And really, Friday, Friday, and the deadline in the week to come here is is probably the only thing that's making this semi tolerable right now, because when we're talking about what the Jets are doing out there on the ice right now, Tice, it's 
despicable. Like, it's atrocious. It's frustrating. It's abysmal. It's hair-tearing. Like, there's just no shortage of words to describe the angst that's going on with the hockey club right now. And, you know, we were going to do a couple different shows at, at, a, at a couple different times. You know, we were going to do one, you know, Monday morning right after the game on Sunday. I'm kind of glad that we waited a little bit because sometimes maybe you get a little too hot right after a loss like that to the Islanders. So we'll see what happens with an extra 24 hours break there. But, man, you had you had a Jets team that essentially had two games of the season over the weekend, one weekend. The game against Colorado was supposed to be a measuring test. This is our response game. You give up a breakaway freaking a dozen seconds into the game and get blown out by the Avalanche. Oh, that's okay because the Islanders are – that's our response to the response game. So we're going to get something big out of that one. And that might have been their worst game of the season. The, 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 it might have been their worst period of the season. That first period was – the Jets did kind of slowly get back into it. Didn't do a whole lot there. But you had two – response games and the response was we're not good enough right now and we're not doing basically anything of value out there on the ice where like where are we at like what what is the state of this team right now it it, it is a wild stretch that this club has been on where you've dropped six of your last seven the only win you had was the hellebuck hail mary game and now all of a sudden Jets fans need to look down in the standings as opposed to battling for the top spot up at the top of the standings. Yeah, like, and just watching this team the past couple of games, it's just the one word to describe it for me is careless. It's just careless hockey all around, whether it's positioning in their own end, whether it's exiting their zone, whether it's offensive zone play, like, it's just all careless. And there's no more, it looks like this is a group that has no motivation right now when the season's starting to get at its breaking point and the team should be pushing forward and instead they're taking major major steps back and every game you're like okay well it can't get worse it can't get worse and it's just getting worse and worse and worse and I mean hopefully these a couple moves are done and that that kind of starts to get the Jets going we've already seen one that we're going to talk about in a bit but it's just lackluster play and even from your star players like these are the guys who especially coming into this season, we knew that the Jets were going to have to rely on those guys in the top six, right? Like, we needed a bounce-back season from Shifley. We needed Connor to continue his good play. We needed Wheeler to step back up, too, and Dubois to show, like, the, that potential that he had last season. And we saw that in the first half of the season so far, and it was exactly what would happen when those guys are showing up. They dominate teams. Like, this group has the potential to dominate teams, and then we see as the season goes on, the games start to get harder. It's just kind of just laying down and taking taking whatever team's next. Like it's a, it's kind of unbelievable at this point. You you see that light way up there, Tice? Like yeah. way way up there. Do you see that? That was rock bottom. <laughs> that was rock bottom for the Jets, and that that was that might have been the initial Islanders game. And then we had a second Islanders debacle, and then the Avalanche. I, I really wonder which game was worse, to be honest, the the Avalanche or, or the Islanders one. I mean, there's just the, the problem is there's so many things wrong right now. I don't want to, I don't want to put this on coaching, and I'll explain why in just a sec. But I will also say that the coaching needs to be a lot better too. Some of the lineup decisions have been extremely suspect. 
Some of the personnel choices have been bizarre, to say the least. This Nick Ehlers on the second power play unit, even though he's the only one scoring on the first power play unit, makes beyond zero sense. Dylan Sandberg being taken out of the lineup, which it looked like at, at today's practice, when he might be your th- second, third, or fourth best defenseman, is asinine, to say the least. And then you have this revolving door of bottom six misfits that are getting chances up there in the top six and, and getting equal playing time to some of the best players on this team. Like The coaching is not doing as good of a job as it should be and as good of a job as it did earlier on in the season. Having said that, though, I don't want to put this on the coaching staff because this is now three head coaches in just over a year, year and a half, and the same freaking issues are happening night in, night out. Like, at what point do the players take a little bit of responsibility? And like Rick Bonus said in his press conference here, take a, take some freaking accountability here. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's not... I don't... This isn't a case of the Jets losing games, right? And I'm not even going to say goalie, but like they're doing... Like, you know, they're playing okay, but they're, you know, they're losing 3-2, this, this. They look so unengaged at times. They look so disinterested at times. They look like the easiest things to do out there on the ice are beyond their capabilities. And that that's not, that's not the floor that this team should have right now. And it's, I, I don't know what the answer for is it. And I, you're right. When you say they don't look motivated, like, I mean, this is the time to get motivated. You're and, and now, I mean, Hey, the, the jets more than anybody can thank the Calgary flames for them, not going full Defcon one here, because if Calgary was playing any decently, We'd be talking about the Jets possibly doing the impossible and falling completely out of the playoff picture entirely here. But I, I'm putting this all in the players, Tice. I mean, this is this is beyond ridiculous here that they're not able to go out there and, and give somewhat of a consistent effort. And I'm not to, to, to me, this isn't even the bottom six time. I'm 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 looking at the big guys, specifically in the top six for the Jets, that just aren't delivering the level of play that they should be. I mean, when's the when was the last big Mark Shifley game? Off the top of your head, like what? What if you, if you could try to pinpoint it? When was Mark Shifley's last best game? I mean, like other other than the Rangers game where he scored two goals, but he wasn't he didn't pop out where he like scored, he, where he scored two goals and got outshot by twenty five while he was on the ice. Yeah, exactly. Like I I don't know. I honestly month, don't know. A month ago, two months ago, what what about Pierre Luc Dubois? What was even the last Cal- time he took over a game? Even Cal Connor these past couple of games, like. You're just seeing the frustration, especially on Kyle Connor. He's a guy that you really don't see the frustration start to bubble and boil up in him. And that last game, like he was visibly, visibly frustrated, and it's it's concerning. Like I, I don't know. I and you mentioned about coaching, and you're right. I don't think it's totally. It's definitely more so on the players. And to me, it's like Rick Bonus is on the Titanic, and he's just shuffling the chairs around. Like to to be honest, like I just. I don't know how this gets better because we've just seen it happen over and over again. And insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and thinking it's going to change. And I mean, I don't think it's going to change. Which is, which is interesting as well, Tyson, because we have like the specter of the trade deadline hanging over the club right now. And I think a lot of Jets fans at the same time will say, you got to add here or else we're wasting a season, you know, especially, you know, looking mainly at Morrissey Hellebuck, but some other talented players on the roster here and saying, you can't just do nothing here. Right. But at the same time, it's like kind of what you're getting to is, you know, these guys are what they are at some point. I, I I guess for me, like, and I'm not going to blame it all on one player necessarily, but 
to get out of this rut, for the Jets to get back where they were earlier on in the season, I think I think the boys need Mark Shifley to start carrying the load here. I like I Hellebuck is forever this team's savior. Morrissey's been this team's MVP this year. But I, I really think that when Shifley's going and like going, going, when he's engaged and physical and obviously utilizing his his great offensive skills, I, I feel like this team reads more off of that than any than any other player on this roster. And and that to me is the guy that really needs to kick it into high gear here. Again, I'm not blaming him for all the losses, for all the, the disappointment. There's a handful of guys that need to step it up. But I, I, I feel like, you know, for a guy that was given some lofty comparisons in the past here, you know, sometimes when a team is struggling, it's, hey, hop on my back, boys. It's it's time to go for a ride here. And and this this is a club that looks like it's looking for a spark right now. And I, I think Shifley's the one that's kind of got to get it going here. I, I think if I think if we see an engaged, ready to go Mark Shifley over this next week or so, that the rest of the Winnipeg Jets are going to follow suit here. But I don't think it's a coincidence either that you know his game has tailed off considerably, and we're seeing the team start to follow suit here because we're seeing those old habits start to creep in again and again, where the team is lackadaisical inside their own end and not playing with the level of intensity that they should be playing with. Yeah, and we've mentioned it the past couple episodes too, and just the difference in his physicality. Like he at the beginning of the season, he was bullying guys off the puck. He was had two guys draped over him and it was he could it was holding them off like nothing. And now it's just not going into the areas, just hanging around in the slot hoping the puck gets to you. Like it's just it, it's just two different players. And it's not that long of a time either. I mean, who know like I you could say that maybe he's dealing with an injury. That's a possibility. But I, if you're that injured then you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. Like, that's exactly it. It's a, there's there's guys Every team, there's high end guys on every team in the league right now that that should be that that are probably dealing with something. And I'm just if you, like you said there, if you're good enough to be on the ice, it's not an excuse. End of story. Yeah, that's not much more to add. <laughs> yeah, well then we won't we won't add anything else to it there. I mean, it it it's just it's so it's such a bizarre ride we're on in this season right now because the pretty much the whole first half of the year was like, Holy crap. Like bonus is the coach whisperer and these guys are legit. And now we're dealing with coming out of the break where we all expected them to go gangbusters here. And it's been the complete opposite of that. And, and there's no real signs that they're turning it around anytime soon either. Right. Like no. maybe if, if you wanted to be really optimistic, you could say the team played better in the second period against the Islanders. And then maybe that's a, a bit of a turning point. Like, I guess you could say that, but uh, you kind of, I still think you're kind of grasping at straws here. Maybe, maybe just maybe the, the addition of the newest Winnipeg jet could be enough to, to kickstart this club into high gear, but we're running out of runway here. Like, like things are, I, I don't know if necessarily the playoffs. I don't know if we need to go that far yet that the playoffs are, are coming into doubt, but it's more so, this team's legitimacy as a, as a contending team once the postseason gets rolling around. That that might start to be waning pretty quickly here if they don't get things sorted out and figured out and, and turned around soon. But man, oh man, we we just need we just need a lot better. We need a lot better from from 
basically everybody that's out there wearing a Winnipeg jersey right now. But if it's if it's if you're asking me and two guys specifically that we need to get it going, I, I think you look at the two guys down the middle right now. And I think, you know, for all the reasons I said earlier, 55's got to lead the way. But I think too, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois got all the physical tools in the world to go out there and dominate. And the only time we're seeing him make a big impact lately is when he heads over to the penalty box for his inevitable two minutes after a poor penalty there. And then we don't hear as much from him as we should be during the rest of the game. So that, that, that to me is how, how can we get this thing turned around quickly? Shifley needs to get it going. Dubois needs to get it going. Whoever their line mates are, don't really care all that much. I kind of care, but I don't care all that much of the grand scheme of things in the sense that those are the big horses that are going to carry this team from playoff time. And it's time now with March basically right on the doorstep here that these two start to step up here, hopefully beginning against LA and get this thing turned around and turned around very soon because the, uh, the schedule does not ease up until March 6th at the very least. But even after that, it's a brief reprieve and things get pretty difficult for the Winnipeg Jets. So yeah, let's uh, let's get this thing turned around pretty quickly so we don't have to talk about Calgary and we can talk about the uh, the Minnesotas, the Colorados, and the Dallases as to where the Jets belong in the standings there. Uh, plenty to get to still in this episode, though. A little bit more on the on-ice Winnipeg Jets as well as plenty with the club surrounding trade talks, the big addition, and then other crazy moves all around the NHL. Plus, Tyson's got a, a mystery stat, a stat that he says will blow my mind. What is it? Well, we'll find out in just a sec. But before we do find out about that, how about you guys find out about what our buddies over at DraftKings Sportsbook got going on, especially with things heating up in the majority of major sports in North America, basketball playoffs coming up soon, as well as obviously the NHL. Golf season, majors are right around the corner as well. MMA, Paul versus Fury, DraftKings has got you covered where new customers can put down a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to one k and if it doesn't win, you still get another shot to cash in. Plus, same-game parlays can help you jack up that winning total spreads. Money lines, whatever it is, your betting options are endless with DK. Anything strike your fancy, Tyson, in terms of dropping a little moolah? I don't, I don't know if they've got trade odds necessarily, but um, the NHL schedule, a beauty right now with the Bruins and Oilers. Uh, I think it's you know, into the second period. Um. But Panthers-Lightning's a bit of a doozy. The Battle of Florida tomorrow. Anything else jumping out at you? Yeah, I'm going to stray away from the, the the ice here, and I'm going to head to the Octagon on Saturday night. And I'm going to tell you that one of the greatest of all time is going to head into the ring, John Jones. Questionable pass. He's going to lose his first fight ever. Well, officially. Technically, he lost because he got disqualified for knocking a guy out with illegal elbows. So, I mean, that one doesn't really count, but... Nice. Cyril, Gaon, Cyril Gaon is going to knock out John Jones on Saturday night and win the heavyweight championship. Bongamin. Bongamin. I don't know what any of that means, but I love it. So <laughs> hit that up as well and make some money with DK. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. All right, so trade time. And the Winnipeg Jets got into this. And I'll tell you what, Tyson, the trade, the, what did the trade go down Sunday afternoon? I think it was Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon. I loved the return and the move by the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday afternoon. It has only gotten exponentially better. And I'll tell you what, on Monday night, it looks like a stroke of absolute genius by Kevin Sheveldayoff. And again, it, it fits his MO maybe a little bit earlier than some of us might have anticipated but again Chevy goes after the guy that nobody mentioned I think whatsoever completely under the radar but Nino Niederreiter picked up by the Winnipeg Jets from the Nashville Predators for a second round pick El Nino do you know what Nino stands for in Spanish Tyson the The Nino It's actually little boy for for those that don't know. El Nino is little boy. La Nina is little girl. I did a science project on that, but you can impress somebody at the office and they'll just kind of politely nod and leave you alone for the rest Please of the leave day. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> but Neo Niederreiter, the pickup for the Jets. Um, love the move or really love the move? Really love the move. Yeah, I exactly. Love- right. Like that, that's kind of what it is. I don't, I haven't heard anybody speak negatively about the trade. It's it's such a good trade. And like, you know, Niederreiter has just always been an underrated player throughout his career. He's a big body winner. He's sound defensively. I think he's going to fit in just perfect with this club. And they, he adds that scoring touch too, because he's already, he's already got 18 goals in this in, in this season. And we saw Nashville make another move that we were going to talk about a little later, but they got a heck of, they just paid a hell of a lot less than what the lightning ended up paying for their player. Like, Thinking, and to think that like the gap in talent there is not that crazy. Contracts are pretty similar. Like they're both going to be up in a year. You have that RFA with Geno, but Nino Niederreiter is just a solid, solid top six guy. Like he's perfect for any playoff team. And for the Jets to get him for a fairly reasonable price, and I think as the trade as the days go on, these next couple of days, I think we're going to see that that price that the Jets paid work out better and better. And that's sort of what we were talking about earlier in the season, right? Like. I mean, we wish it would have happened a little bit earlier with maybe, but whatever. Right? <laughs> like, go, but that's cool. <laughs> but you jump ahead of all these teams before the trade deadline and you get the guy for the price that you're willing to pay instead of for the price that the other team is begging you, like you're, you're having to pay that. So I think that this is a big move for the Jets and jumping out ahead is a really smart move for Chevy. Yeah, I mean, there's a few reasons why this is such a great move. I guess one is I'll, I'll touch on what you were you know mentioning at the end there, but I think we're seeing, especially with some of the moves that have happened by by other teams, we're seeing and and the best GMs always do this is exploring market inefficiencies, ways that you can take advantage of other clubs or players that might be undervalued, and I think it really is, especially at the deadline, it's the guy that has a year or two years left on his deal. There's always so much put on rentals and and different things like that. But I mean, I, I, the prevailing thought once the deal went down from everybody outside of Winnipeg was that's it, right? Like that, that's, that's all you had to give up for Nino. Who's having like a borderline career year, at least goal scoring wise, pretty much a borderline career. Like it's not like he's playing poorly or anything like that. 
going after guys that have a little bit of term left on their deal, I think there's a lot of value in going after players like that. And I mean, you have them for this year, but you have them for next year as well. And, and that's where some of the cap flexibility that the Jets have, you know, paid off in a big way here where you're getting a guy that, I mean, it's not even a big ticket, but sometimes four mil can be hard for teams to fit in here. Now the Jets, they've, they've kind of given themselves a lot of runway going into the offseason as well, right? Like they could add more, they can pivot, set, like whatever it is. The move is, as far as the price paid, a really, really effective one by Kevin Chevaldeoff there. But I mean, most importantly for what the team is looking to accomplish this year, Nino Niederreiter is, I think, probably the best consolation prize for missing out on Timo Meyer. I mean, he he's not, look, he's not going to be the point-of-game power forward that Timo Meyer is, but he's probably going to be a level just below that in terms of helping out the Jets' weaknesses in their forward group, right? Because he's, I mean, he really checks off all the boxes. He's big, physical, can play with skilled players, puts the puck in the net. He's got experience. His, his, I mean, his strengths are net front presence and winning puck battles along the boards. He's defensively sound. He's basically everything, kind of a backhanded compliment. He's everything that Ehlers and Connor aren't. So I think he fits in nicely with either one of those guys, and he can help He can help drive possession on a line on top of all that. And, and he's not insanely old either, right? Like it, I think he's the perfect addition for the same reasons that I've been champion Jesse Pugliarvi as a potential buy low candidate for the Jets. Pugliarvi is just like the, like Pugliarvi's like Charmander and Nino is Charizard. Like you're getting the full powered up version of what a lot of people think Pugliarvi could be. And that's what they're getting in Nino Niederreiter here. So I, it, it might not be like the grand slam move that, that getting Timo Meyer would be, but in terms of starting off, deadline week if you want to call it that this is like a leadoff triple at, at least a leadoff double but maybe even a leadoff triple and then you get a guy on base right after that like that's the kind of start that the Jets have had here so I, I, I to, to me it's just it's nothing but positivity so far on the trade front on the ice eh, but trade front things are going well off the ice yeah and it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets do these next couple days too right like I mean, what, well, what direction? Let me, you, let me ask you this, Tice. If they end up the, the deadline with just Nino, how would you characterize their work? I, I'd i be pretty disappointed still, to be like honest. A, like, a, like a, at best, a C, probably yeah. a D, yeah. which is saying something considering how good they did on this specific trade here. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we do another episode before the deadline actually comes to an end here. But just taking a look at the Winnipeg Jets right now, is it, is the goal a forward and a defenseman still? Like, does it need to be two more pieces added in? Or could the Jets go out there and add either just a forward or just a defenseman and, and maybe feel okay about themselves going into the playoff push? I, I think adding a solid D-man and then kind of going bargain hunting for a forward is the way to go for the Jets as the deadline comes forward. I like honestly like and in my opinion too like i think that no matter what this is the like if things don't go your way this season you're blowing it up regardless right like you have to so why not what's good about that too is like realistically the jets can recoup and then probably gain more assets 
this summer if things go poorly anyways, right? Right. And and I don't think it, it wouldn't take a long turnaround either because they have a solid prospect cupboard. And yeah, like if you're at, if you're going to be adding players, you're going to be losing some of those players. But I still think that you're coming out of the season with at least Rutger McGordy. I don't think he's going anywhere. You have Elias Samuelson, who's having a really good season after his draft year for the Jets. And he could even potentially be like a replacement for Billy Hainala. And who knows? Like he might, he might show something that Hainala hasn't yet. And so I think those two guys are pretty safe at saying. And then maybe you end up losing a guy like, like I don't think you're going to lose all, you're not going to lose both Lucius and Lambert likely at the deadline too. So yeah, unless keep, something crazy happens. Right. So you're keeping Rucker McGordy, one of Lucius and Lambert and probably Elias Samuelson. And those are three really solid prospects. Not to mention there's still those the Russians that are over in the KHL and the MHL over there, and they're having really good seasons. And I think that the Jets still have a really solid prospect covered with, say, let's Chaz Lucius and Bailey Hainala and a first-round pick. You can recoup all those assets at the deadline, and then you can say to the fan base, look, we, we put all our eggs into one basket with this core, and it didn't work out. So now we got to retool. And I think, to me, that's the way you Tyson fans would love that. I like I I mean they wouldn't love the Jets sucking, but right. but like I think fans would greatly appreciate and and I think they would go along with that that line of thinking, right? Like it, you know, they I I think that's where the Jets are. It, this it isn't the sunk cost fallacy, but I, I I just think at this point if you're Chevy, you've you've believed in this group for so long. You know, give them one kick at the can here and see what happens. I, I like. I think you owe it to them at this point, even though they haven't paid off your faith whatsoever in the last couple of weeks of action so far. And I'm not saying you know trade everybody possible here and let's just go nuts for one year. But like, I think you they. I think you need to make a couple additions. See what happens by the time the playoffs roll around. And if they stink up the bed, then your decision has been made for you in the summer. And I think fans again would be on board with some kind of a, whatever you want to call it, reshift, reset, rebuild, youth, like whatever it is, I think fans would be okay with that, knowing that, hey, at least we took one big swing at it this year with the years that some of the guys on our club were having there. I mean, for me, when we talk about potential moves and things like that, I'm still all in on the quote-unquote top pair defenseman. Chikrin to me is still the guy to go after. It's going to bother me when slash if the Jets don't get him. I think I think he's going to be traded for less than people are imagining to. But even like a Chikrin type player, maybe it's one of the calorie defensemen. I, I mentioned Hannafin a few weeks ago. That would look pretty smart if he ends up getting moved out. But like so, somebody along that that mold, that to me should still be the the main target right now for the Jets. And then, yeah, I kind of agree. Like a third, I think, hey, like higher up the lineup would be great. But I, I think like a third line tweener guy would would be enough here, especially if Perfetti can get healthy by the time the playoffs roll around. Don't know how likely that is. But that to me, that to me would kind of equate to pretty much a perfect deadline for the Jets. About as perfect as you could have realistically, realistically hoped for. Are there any names popping out to you, Tice, in terms of potential guys that you would like to see the Jets target. I mean, I mentioned some of the defensemen there. I, I think we kind of know who those guys are likely to be. One guy that I kind of like up front that might not cost them all that much either 
um, especially because it seems like Washington is in full-on sell mode. I think Lars Eller would be a pretty good get for the Jets, probably just as a fourth-line center. But in a in a funny way, his three uh, where is it three and a half million dollar cap hit? I think. Yeah, it's pulled around. Three, yeah, three and a half. He makes three. That probably helps the Jets because I don't know any contenders out there that would be willing to take somebody like that on as just a fourth line centerman. But the Jets could do that without Washington maybe needing to retain all that much salary here, and he'd be a massive improvement over Kevin Stenlin or or David Gustafson. So that that might be a good, you know, buy low asset where you're not giving up another top two, top three round pick. It probably cost you like a fifth or a sixth to bring in Lars Eller there. And there's a guy that's been there, done that, won Stanley Cup. So I I think he'd be a nice addition in terms of under the radar guys. But anybody jump out to you? Well, I like Matthias Ekholm, but I I got a feeling that he's going to end up. I got a I got a feeling he's going to end up on the Oilers though, but uh, Matias Ekholm would just be perfect. I think he would, I think he would be the perfect complement to Josh Morris. He's been in that position before. He's been kind of that second pairing staple for Nashville for so long, and so I think that he would just fill that role perfectly for the Jets, and then really put some stability on the back end. And then all of a sudden, you have a really solid top four decor. I think that's the way to go. And then maybe I I, I like a Lars Eller. Uh, even Connor Sheary from Washington too is a name that I, that I like for a playoff run, but the, I I still get the feeling that we're gonna see a guy that's name's not out there. I it's just what happened with Nino. It just seems like Chevy's kind of that snake in the reeds, and he's just waiting for he's just waiting for that name that no one's mentioned yet, and he's just gonna pluck it. <laughs> so he's just gonna he's gonna pounce. He's gonna <laughs> pounce. Yeah, I that that's always been his mo. Like there's very rarely times where it's like. The Jets are zeroing on this guy. Get ready for it. It's oh, I guess he, I guess, I guess he was available, wasn't he? So that and that's kind of what makes it, you know, so fun in a way is that you know, some something's gonna happen and we're probably gonna be not ready for the uh, the expectation of who it's gonna be here. Should mention too the uh, the insiders, uh, you know, from a few different networks um, made mention of what the Jets may or may not be up to with just days to go before the deadline here. Elliot Friedman in his 32 thoughts podcast did say on the pod that he doesn't think the jets will do anything else, but then interestingly enough, sent out a tweet saying, I want to redo. I think the jets are actually going to be up to something. So like, yeah, that's I, wonder really if, I, I wonder, I don't know if he just like misspoke. Maybe, you know, I, Hey, I used to talk for four or five hours at a time. I understand when people sometimes just, your brain just shuts down for a bit. I don't know if he misspoke or if somebody was like, Hey, Fridge, um, here's a little nugget for you, right? So like, I, I, wonder, I wonder what the reason for that was. But so essentially, Friedman says that, you know, the Jets are likely to be active still doing something. And then Chris Johnston on TSN's Overdrive, uh, one of the only radio stations, TSN radio stations still standing right now, um, he said that he expects the Jets to make a move, a move or two as well, and that they are unlikely to be finished right now. So uh, there's going to be something coming up here. We'll, we'll see how big it is. We'll see if it's a name we haven't heard a lot about. I know Kevin Hayes showed up on uh, Frank Saravalli's trade bait board at number three. Hayes 2.0 to Winnipeg? Oh, God. Probably not, but we'll <laughs> see. You never know. Uh, but it could be a fun couple of days here. 
the one thing about that that's that is interesting too is that like I feel like if it was a lesser name like a Luke Shen, they would kind of say like things are kind of heating up with Winnipeg and Luke Shen. Like the way that it's been really cryptic and it's kind of just like, like bigger. Yeah, like keep an eye on the Jets. Like just well, wink, wink, keep an eye. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Eric Carlson, baby. Come <laughs> on, let's get it done. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe not Carlson, but a big name would be pretty good for the Jets. Um, I, I think the one thing we could all agree on is hopefully Chevy doesn't pay as big of a price as Julian Brisebois has paid this deadline. Uh, we gotta We got to talk about some of the moves made across the rest of the NHL over the last, I guess, 24 hours or so. I, I mean, we I, th- I think we got to start with, with Tampa Bay Nashville, right? Yeah. The, now, and, and this is the, this is, I, I, I'm kind of at, like, in, in this train of thought here, this is a horrendous overpay, but it's somehow going to work out for Tampa, isn't it? That's kind of like... <laughs> They have a history of overpaying for this kind of player, and then this kind of player ends up being a playoff hero for them. So that, like, I, I, the, it, the the return is just so out of whack compared to the other moves that have been made so far. But yeah, Tampa Bay goes deep in playoff runs, so like, I, who am I to judge? I, like, what 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 was your initial reaction on this one? I I think it's a terrible trade. Like, I think it's an absolutely terrible trade. You're telling me that you can put that package together and get an actual good player? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, honestly, like, the guy's got, he's got five goals this year. You got five goals. And you gave up all, you gave up a Ricky Williams trade package. They traded like, the draft, pretty much. I, I don't understand that. And even Cal Foot too. Cal Foot's got to be at least worth a third-round pick, right? Like, it's just, I just don't understand it. I really, and... I think that kind of got a lot of GMs. Like a lot of the sellers were like, "Oh boy, here we here we go. We might be able to get a, a little bit more than we thought." And I think we're even going to see with a guy like James Van Riemsdyk. Like I think we're going to see what he ends up going for and going like, "Whoa, like he he's going for that much still." And like I, I like Tanner Janot as a player. I don't think he's a. I don't Do think you, he's you. <laughs> well, I like him as a player that you acquire for maybe a second round pick at most. Like I, I think Nino Niederreiter is a better player than Geno is, by and I think by far. Well, yeah, I don't think you can debate it. Yeah, and and I just don't. Yes, you have him as an RFA going forward, but this is this. I was just checking out his stats over his career. So is this is this this is this the the mystery stat, Tays? Yeah, and and it's kind of like it's a little anticlimactic, but but in Tanner Geno's career, going back all the way to his junior years, he. Is only scored over twenty goals twice. He's and that was and the one season that he got in his last season of the, in the dub was with Moose John. He scored forty goals, but that's also as a twenty year old, a big guy too. You go into his AHL seasons, it's seven goals, five goals, five goals, ten goals, and then it's just like I just don't know. Like I, I, I don't see the the player fitting the package that was given up and and P and this is the kind of thing is that. Tampa has this aura of them because they've won so many cups. But I think they kind of just drank their own Kool-Aid too much. I think they're thinking that we've done this before and it's kind of paid off for us. Let's just keep doing it. And I think this is kind of where teams 
like we saw with the Blackhawks as they slowly kind of started to fall apart, having to ship out guys who were high value because of bad contracts. I think we see, and even though the Nick Paul deal is not a terrible contract, it's not a lot of money, but those three and a half million start to add up. You have add Chanoa, I'm guessing he's going to get three mil or three and a half mil. Those start to add up and this Tampa core is not getting younger, right? Like that 2025 pick could end up being very valuable. And yeah, it's top 10 protected, but if that pick's top, it ends up being in the top 10, you can only imagine that the year after is going to be much worse for the Lightning. So I think that you kind of got a little tunnel vision here and seeing all these other teams add that I think they kind of got desperate and wanted to show the league that, hey, we're still a Tampa Bay Lightning. We still, we're still here. And I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's an outrageous overpay. I, I don't hate the ad for the Lightning. I like the fit, but I just think it's an absolutely just dumb I, that's a, I just think it's a dumb trade for the lightning yeah you know Greenfall had some interesting comments about the valuation of draft picks especially for a a team in tampa bay's window where you know to paraphrase he essentially said like a guy that we drafted in the first round is not going to help us in the next three cup runs and he's right like <laughs> they won't but and and while I agree with that, and I think I think teams, contending teams, especially overvalue first and second round picks because realistically they're second and third round picks in, in in all reality, and the likelihood of those players being NHLers is is relatively low. I feel like you could have got more for what you gave up. Like that's just that's kind of where I'm at with the trade. It's like I agree with your logic, but I don't know if the logic applies to Tanner Genot specifically here. So. We'll see what happens. But again, I think people said they overpaid on Brandon Hagel. He's having a good year right now. They overpaid on Blake Coleman. Won two cups. Overplayed, overpaid on Barkley Goodrow. Won two cups. There's kind of a trend that Tampa Bay's got going here for them. So we'll, we'll I'm not going to bury them just yet for it. Do you think that Tyler Bertuzzi, I mean, it's kind of tough because it's a division rival, but you don't think that package gets you Tyler Bertuzzi? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I just don't think Detroit's going to be selling now. Like they're right. kind of, they're right in the mix there. I, I just, it's just, I think you, you, there's much better players that are, that play a similar style, even a Sam Bennett. Like, I, like you're telling me, you, I, but then again, also division rival, right? So it's kind of, yeah, I don't know if Florida's going to be helping out Tampa Bay anytime soon. So. Right, right. But I, yeah, I just, yeah. players like that. I just think there's better players like that. Yeah. I, I wonder if, and I wonder if from Tampa's perspective, you know, with with the cap limitations they have, they're like, look, Janot's cap hit this year fits in with what we're trying to do. Nobody else said his cap number is worth it, so let's just go nuts. <laughs> like that, 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 that kind of makes sense if they're going in with that mindset. I don't know if I would have done it, but watch it pay off for Tampa Bay as they eliminate Toronto on, on a Tanner Janot game seven OT goal. Speaking of Toronto, they're trying to avoid a fate like that this year. McCabe and Lafferty. Everyone said Toronto's done after the O'Reilly move. Ah, not so fast. And it sounds like the Leafs might have another move or two coming up after this. Um, I imagine you're a much bigger fan of the of the uh, Chicago-Toronto trade than you were from Tampa Bay's perspective on theirs. Yeah, totally. I, I like this trade for Toronto. And it's kind of funny. Like, the, these moves for the, uh, the Leafs kind of remind me of what the Jets m- might be doing at this deadline. Like, it's not the same level because the Leafs are having good regular seasons, but it's just the constant choking. Like, 
like they choke over and over again so always in the first round. So it's like you're kind of at that breaking point too with the Leafs where if we don't win this season, there's going to be major changes to our organization. So I think this is Dubas going out ahead and being like, hey, it's either I'm I'm swinging for the fences, either I strike out swinging or I'm hitting this ball 600 feet out of the stadium. Like it's it's go time, and I I love it. I I like the the uber aggressiveness for certain GMs because there's sometimes like like you see with the Leafs and you see with the Jets, sometimes you just got to go balls in, and you just gotta you just gotta make the every move to make your team better possible, and that's what Dubas is doing. Balls in. Might have, have to cut that one out. <laughs> Balls deep wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, make a note, taste in 43, 43 minutes. You might want to cut some of that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, Dubas could strike out. He could hit a 600-foot bomb. He, he could pop up while trying to hit that 600-foot bomb. Um, I, I do like the move by, by the Leafs here. I, I think, you know, especially considering what Nashville did. I think they, it was a relatively, relatively cheap price to pay for that. What I like the most about it, honestly, is that they get Jake McCabe for the next this season and next season at two million dollars. That is like that's some really tidy GM work there, and now they'll have some flexibility to move out a blue liner this summer to potentially recoup some assets there as well. So it's it's just it's crazy those two teams make the moves. They might be the third and fourth best teams in the NHL. And one of them is guaranteed to be out after a bare minimum of seven games. Like it's, it's just, it's, this is the one part of the playoff format that I don't like just, you know, teams of that caliber, they should be meeting in the second or third round, not guaranteed to meet in the first round, basically since puck drop started this year. So it's it's going to be a bloodbath. I think that that series is going to be absolutely bonkers. But yeah, you're right, Tice. I mean, for Dubis, it's like, well, whatever. <laughs> like, of course I'm going to do it. Either either I'm not here, who cares about the picks, or I'm here, and that's a problem for future Kyle Dubis. So we'll have to figure that one out a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, it sets up here for just a crazy couple of days here, and then a absolutely massive potentially league changing deadline day on a Friday, which we'll have to get to obviously in full here, but it's going to be a fun week in the NHL. And hopefully it's a fun week from a Winnipeg Jets perspective, both on and off the ice, but that's where we'll end the episode here. Plenty to get to, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in once again to another episode of skates and plates on the hockey podcast network. When we get back at it, I don't believe we'll be doing an episode on Thursday night. I think we might have to wait, Tyson, until Friday is all done and dusted there. Then we'll release a trade deadline recap special. And, I mean, if the Jets make a big move before then, maybe for a a Jacob Chikrin type player, then maybe we'll do an emergency episode release and talk about that then. So just keep an eye out for wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll have an episode out. At some point this week, big news pending, but for sure we'll have one to cap off the week recapping trade deadline day, as well as a few games for the Jets. A big one uh, Tuesday night against the LA Kings at home, and that is followed by a back-to-back home-and-home against the Edmonton Oilers. So big games up ahead for the club here as they try to get back up into the top three in the Central Division. But until then... 
We'll talk to you guys later on this week. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. CJOB's Tyson Rowicki stopping by to join us once again. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Have a safe and happy trade deadline day as well. We'll talk to you guys after all the madness is done. Until then, peace.